0: Rushdoney Radio presents An Informed Faith, The Position Papers of R. J. Rushdoney, by Roush's John Rushdoney, narrated by Nathan F. Conkey, produced with permission by the Chalcedon Foundation. Chapter 32, Against Much Praying, Chalcedon Position Paper No. 91, November 1987. One of the familiar and very much neglected comments by our Lord has to do with prayer. We are commanded to pray, and to pray quietly without ostentation, and, quote, in secret, end quote, is not to publicize our praying. Quote, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking, end quote, Matthew 6, 7. Note that repetitions are not forbidden, but vain repetitions are. The widow in our Lord's parable was much given to intense repetition. Quote, avenge me of mine adversary, end quote. But it was not vain repetition, but rather a repeated and passionate prayer for justice. Luke 18, 1-8. He condemns, quote, much speaking, end quote, or praying, which has as its purpose a desire to impress God. This is especially a great temptation in our time. We live in what some call the democratic age. Even tyrannies function in the name of the people. They hold mock elections in which everyone must vote, even though all candidates run unopposed, as in the Soviet Union. The people must all favour what has been predetermined for them. Even the Soviet Communist Party leaders, who know that the elections are a formality, go through the sanctimonious ritual of voting. It is a religious duty for the people to express their common will. Given this mentality, now more than ever, people are impressed by numbers. More than a few organisations add thousands of worthless names to their mailing lists because prospective donors are influenced by numbers. In the years just after World War II, a very fine Christian layman began a small organisation to stem the modernism then arising in his church. The, quote, fellowship, end quote, was remarkably effective in its early years. Then some members agitated for increased membership. The founder insisted on a maximum of 50 members. Most insisted on thousands in order to make an impact. Those favoring a large membership won out. And, before long, the association was a model of impotence. Its stance had been compromised, its publication became moderate and conventional, and it was incapable of decisiveness. The demand for numerical strength continues unabated, despite a world filled with examples of failures. Even worse, this mindset has infected prayer. The assumption is that if we can get one million people, or even ten thousand, praying zealously for something, God will give it to us. The assumption is that God is guided, not by knowledge and wisdom, but by our nagging. The results are tragically evil. Devout Protestants who view the medieval endowments for continuous prayers by monks and nuns with horror now creates, quote, prayer towers, end quote, where for 24 hours daily a number of people are gathered to pray for all prayer requests. One evangelist on television has said that as many as 35,000 people have tried to call his 800 number in a single hour. Somehow people believe that God will hear them more readily if 500 or 5,000 people are praying for them. Whatever happened to the priesthood of all believers must a professional praying person pray for us before God hears us? A good many years ago A sick man asked me to pray for him. I knew the man well, and that he was afraid of death and admitted it. I told him to do his own praying and to begin by confessing his very serious sins. He refused. He wanted healing, not communion with God. Today, however, certain electronic ministries stress strongly their prayer ministries for people. They invite people to call in, and they speak of the large number of people manning telephones, or should I say, womaning telephones, to hear our prayer requests and to pray for us. One young pastor recently was left feeling rather uncomfortable when someone demanded to know whether or not the church had a prayer ministry. Perhaps, very soon, we may have churches with blinking neon signs advertising 24-hour prayer ministries with no waiting. Now, St. Paul tells us that, quote, we are members one of another, end quote, Ephesians 4.25. We pray for our family members, our friends, and our fellow church members out of love and concern. Dear Chalcedon, we thank God for our supporters. We have come to know many of you and pray for you when we know of your problems. But do we have a department of prayer or a formal prayer ministry? No. Much speaking carries no weight with God. Moreover, all too often, prayer ministries concern themselves with personal wants, not the kingdom of God. How many of those prayer ministries or prayer tower groups are concerned about persecuted Christians in the Soviets' power or with American parents persecuted in the courts for homeschooling or for sending their children to a Christian school? Even more, how many concern themselves with God's kingdom and justice. Yet our Lord tells us in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, end quote, or justice. Are not unending, quote, gimme, end quote, prayers insulting to God? Do they not become more insulting when we line up great numbers of people to nag God? Our Lord gives us his model of prayer in Matthew six, nine to thirteen, declaring After this manner therefore pray ye. We are to begin by hallowing his name. Our paramount request must be Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, God wants his kingdom to rule and reign as fully on earth as in heaven and we have a duty to pray for this and to work for it. He has given us the laws of his kingdom, and we must obey and apply them. As we are faithful, so he too is faithful. He will give us our daily bread, and he forgives our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Prayer has as its companion obedience and action. The focus of prayer is wrong if it is our needs primarily, rather than God's kingdom. If we pray essentially for ourselves rather than God's kingdom, it will not make our prayer more effective to have five hundred people unite with us in saying that My will must be done. In Second Chronicles seven hundred fourteen, God declares to Solomon. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. The priority in prayer is clearly not our wants, but God's will. Let us look again at our Lord's words in Matthew 6 7 But when ye pray, Use not vain repetitions as the heathens do. Our Lord is warning us against the pagan forms of prayer. E. N. Falaise, in James Hastings' Encyclopedia of Religion and Ethics, defined primitive prayer in these words In its simplest and most primitive form, prayer is the expression of a desire cast in the form of a request to influence some force or power conceived as supernatural, end quote, volume 10, page 154. The word, quote, influence, end quote, tells us all. This is, quote, heathen, end quote, or pagan prayer, a belief that God can be influenced. This is not Christian prayer. We enter into communion with God through Christ in order to find our place in his will and kingdom and to receive his blessings. Too commonly, the fostering of mass prayers is to compel God's attention and to influence him by numbers. This is paganism. Our Lord identifies another aspect of quote, heathen, end quote, prayer, quote, vain repetition, end quote, the pagans, quote, vain repetition, end quote, was associated with magic. Certain repeated incantations could influence and command the spirits or gods. The, quote, heathen, end quote, prayers our Lord refers to were really more spells, magical formulae, than prayers. They were seen as magical words of power, and they would have more power if certain persons repeated them for us, shamans, medicine men, and the like. In some instances, these spells had to be repeated various hours of the day to be effective, and this is what our Lord meant by, quote, vain repetition, end quote. The goal of such pagan, quote, vain repetition, end quote, was to control a supernatural power by exercising and commanding a greater power. In 1 Kings 18, we have a classic example of pagan, quote, unquote, prayer. The priests of Baal sought to control the powers over earth by numbers, by shouting, quote, in repetitions, end quote, and by mutilating themselves. Perhaps at the same time as this was happening in Mount Carmel, all the priests of Baal at the various sanctuaries may have been using, quote, Vain repetitions, end quote, to help the priests at Mount Carmel. Against all this, says James Notes, quote, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, end quote, James 5:16). Elijah's concern was God's kingdom and God's justice. It is worthy of note that paganism usually has had a specialised praying class. To have influence with or control over the forces of nature or the spirits, an expert technician had to be used. Among some American Indians, for example, communion with the spirits was an elitist fact reserved to the limited number of members of a secret society. Such a power made them sometimes feared because of the damage it was believed they could do using the spirits. More quote unquote advanced religions in antiquity had rituals and prayers which often are quite remarkable. They seem at times close to a biblical emphasis. They stress penitence, a strong moral sense, and a desire for communion with the gods. There is, however, a significant difference between all such pagan rituals and prayers and scripture. The stress in these, quote, advanced, end quote, pagan religions is on self-reformation and self-recommendation. The, quote, worshipper presents himself as one who has repented and reformed himself and he then proceeds with, quote, vain repetitions, end quote, to nag the god or gods for acceptance and for his petitions. The stress is on human initiative, the self-reformation, the self-qualification. The man says, I am here, O God, ready to receive. How can you refuse me? And why do you? In Egyptian religion, the worshipper presented himself to the gods after death with a litany of self-praise and with a recital of all his virtues. This was the quote-unquote heathen model against which our Lord warns us. It was present all around him, and it is all around us today, and sometimes in us. This is why the Lord's Prayer is so important for us to use. It teaches us the true perspective in prayer. We dare not use the Lord's name in pagan prayers. The doctrine of the priesthood of all believers is biblical. It rests on the premise that believers are members of God's covenant and family and therefore in faithfulness to their Lord and in communion with him. Prayer or communion is thus a common privilege of all Christians and of all those who seek God's face in repentance and faith. Well done for listening all the way to the end. This is Nathan, the narrator, speaking to you from Puebla, Mexico, from the Faith for All of Life school in which I teach English as a volunteer. I teach from kinder through high school. Now, I rely on donations in order to keep teaching and recording, so if you want to support a Faith for All of Life school in Latin America and want to keep listening to Rush Dooney while you vacuum, drive, or cook, commute, or whatever you're doing right now, donate at cten.org forward slash Nathan Conkey. That's N-A-T-H-A-N-C-O-N-K-E-Y, all lowercase. Or if you prefer PayPal, paypal.me forward slash capital N -n 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 Nathan capital C Konky. You can also email me at nfconkey, that's nfconkey at gmail.com. Thanks, and I look forward to speaking to you very soon.